morning and night. The week before that I was out, so it's been a few weeks since we've been in Malachi. And I want us to come again to these first nine verses of chapter 2. We looked at those in one light. I want to kind of take it in parallel a passage that Brother Ricky read this morning with that and talk about a little bit more the whole idea of honoring honoring the name of the Lord, giving glory, giving honor to the name of God, because that is our call, that is our command, that is our purpose, if you will. When the, when the Apostle Paul spoke in Ephesians chapter 1 of our salvation and talked about the purpose of our salvation, he says that we have been chosen before the foundation of the world that we may be to the praise of the glory of his name, that we might be to the praise of his glory. Over and over through that passage, Paul repeats that phrase, that we are saved, we are redeemed, we are given new life for the praise of his glory. Uh, There's something important about that that is not unique with the Apostle Paul or did not begin with the Apostle Paul. It goes all the way back to the whole Old Testament concept of what it means to worship and give glory to God. As a matter of fact, you could go back to creation if you wanted to. And see that the whole purpose of the garden of of Adam and Eve being created and then a nation later being born was that they might give glory and honor and praise to the Lord, to God, who is the creator and the redeemer and the sustainer. In Malachi's day, they were failing to do that. The priests were corrupt. The people were corrupt. The worship around the Lord was corrupt. They were bringing, as we saw earlier in this book, Uh, They were bringing sacrifices that they couldn't use. They were bringing that which was crippled and lame, and they were bringing it as though it were something that God should accept. And and Malachi said to the people, or God said to the people through Malachi, why don't you try to give that to your governor? Why don't you try to pay your taxes with that? Uh, Would he be likening to that? Would he be accepting of that? And, of course, the, uh, the anticipated answer is no, he never would. That we're not to bring God what is second best, whether it be our money, our time, our, our, our gifts and our talents, whatever it might be, we're to bring him the best. And Malachi is making that case very strongly. But in, in chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, he specifically speaks to the priest. Now we acknowledged, and I hope you remember and realize, that there's a, a big difference between the priest of Malachi's day and the priest of our day. In Malachi's day, they were a set-apart group of people of the uh, uh, the descendants of Levi, who were set aside to, to offer sacrifices, to intercede on behalf of the people, who were there to, to be intermediaries, if you will, between the people and between God. Uh, and, and in Malachi's day, they formed that very specific class of people, that very specific function within temple worship. In our day, we have been taught by Jesus and by the New Testament clearly that we don't have priests like that any longer. We don't have priests who, who stand in pulpits each week. We have pastors and shepherds, but priests are those who are in the covenant. Priests are those who are in Christ. So we believe in the priesthood of all believers, that all believers together form a priesthood before God. And we have only one mediator now, not a priest on earth, but our mediator who sits at the right hand of the Father. We have a mediator who is Jesus Christ himself, who the writer of Hebrews says is our great high priest. And so we are to function in the role of priestly ministry to one another and priestly ministry in worship 
So when we come, you don't bring things to me for me to offer up as a priest before God. You bring them in worship and you offer them directly to the Lord God. Your worship is a direct response to His goodness and His grace and His glory. And Malachi is concerned here that we see that as being an important thing. Hear me as I read. Hear the word of the Lord as I read from Malachi chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. And now this commandment is for you, O priest. If you do not listen and if you do not take it to heart to give honor to my name, give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send a curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. And indeed, I have cursed them already because you are not taking it to heart. Behold, I'm going to rebuke your offspring. And I will spread refuge on your faces, the refuge of your feast, and you will be taken away with it. And you will know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my covenant may continue with Levi, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him as an object of reverence. So he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and unrighteousness was not found on his lips, he walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned back many from iniquity. He turned back many from their sins. For the lips of a priest should preserve knowledge, and men should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But as for you, you have turned aside from the way and have, ca have caused many to stumble by the instruction, you have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. So I also have made you despised and abased before all the people, just as you are not keeping my ways, but are showing partiality in the instruction. Now, we, we talked about several weeks ago, when we looked at this passage, the, the, the sheer anger, the sheer uh, displeasure that is coming from God to the, pe to the priest and ultimately the people, because of their disregard for His covenant, because of their disregard for His name. That name is repeated over and over and over in, in the book of Malachi, as it is throughout all the Scripture, because that name is representative of everything that God is, and everything that God's character represents, everything that His attributes present before us. And so it's important, Malachi says, God speaking through him, that we give honor to his name. But he says, you're not taking it to heart. You're not giving honor to my name. Another word for honor is the name glory. We talk about the glory of God. We talk about the, the, the heaviness of God, the worth of God. And that's really what glory is all about. If you remember in, that, in the Gospel of Luke, on that first morning when the, the birth of Christ was being announced in the uh, to the shepherds out on the, the hillside there in Bethlehem. When it, when it says the, the shepherds were there tending their sheep in the field on the mountainside, and all of a sudden a bright light shone about them. Literally it says the glory of God shone about them, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them there. And what did it say about them? They were frightened. That's probably an understatement. They were scared to death. When they saw the glory of God, the, the weightiness of God, the heaviness of God, the purity of God, just through the light of His glory, they fell almost as dead men before Him. 
scared to death for their lives. We know that because the angel said to them, don't be afraid. Don't shake, don't fall over, don't don't pass out in the presence. We've got a message for you. It's an important message. It's a message about the glory that's shining about you, and it's a message about what is about to take place. But, But the whole idea of the glory of God is the idea of a heaviness and a weightiness that goes with his character and goes with his person. So Malachi says, you, you, you are to give honor, you're to take to heart my truth, you're to take to heart my covenant, and you're to give honor to my name. What Malachi is talking about in this passage, when he talks about this covenant, when he talks about what Levi did and what Levi's response to God's covenant was, is not at all unlike the, the new covenant statements that's found in Jeremiah and then found in the book of Hebrews. It's it's not at all unlike the idea that in the new covenant, just as in the old covenant, the name of the Lord was to be honored and glorified above everything else. Honor was to be given before anything else. It it was not about the people. It's not even about the priest. It's not about those who were the recipients of the glory, although there is great joy and great a great sense of of purpose in being the recipient of God's grace and God's glory. But it wasn't about man. It wasn't about the messenger. The messenger always had and always will have as his purpose, the purpose of taking the finger as John the Baptist did and pointing it toward another. Pointing it toward the one who has glory. Pointing it toward the one who is worthy of praise. You know, as as man, we kind of like to get glory ourselves, don't we? We don't ever mind being praised. We kind of take that with some great pleasure and enjoyment from time to time. We we like for people to say good things about us and talk about how good we are and, and, and all of that sort of thing. But, but Malachi is saying, we need to understand that all that we are is because of who he is and what he has done in our life. And we are to take all that he has done and reflect that back to him, giving glory to him. When he talks about the covenant that he made with Levi, he says that was a covenant of life and of peace. When you read in Hebrews chapter 8 about the new covenant, you find out it's a covenant of life and peace with God. It's a covenant whereby we are reborn into newness of life, whereby our sins are forgiven and we are made in relationship with Him. We are given relationship with the living God. It says in the new covenant, you don't have to go among those who appear to be and and, uh, appear to be part of the covenant and say, hey, you need to know God. You need to know God because everyone who is in the new covenant will know Him by relationship, by adoption. By, by a new life that is given in Christ. So, so Malachi says, I want you to understand this covenant with, with Levi was a covenant of life and a covenant of peace. Peace with God and a relationship with God that gives life. He says four things about it. He said, he revered me and stood in awe of my name. In, in every part of his life, he said, Levi revered me. He stood in awe of me. There was no casual encounter with God. There was no flippant 
coming before God for worship. There, there was a, in, in Levi, there was a coming to God with a seriousness and a heaviness that befitted his glory. There was a standing in awe of him. Just, just words, wordless almost, speechless. As he would enter into the presence of God and, and sense the glory and the weightiness of God. So Levi revered my name and he stood in awe of my name. He stood in awe of me. Priest of Malachi's day were evidently coming before the, the altar for sacrifice flippantly, ritualistically, and casually. Much of our worship today as priest believers, believer priest. Much of our worship today is, is coming with what ought to be with a, a sense of heaviness, and a sense of, of awe and a sense of weightiness of just coming into his presence flippantly. Not considering what we have been and what our lives have been like, but just saying, hey, listen, I just come because this is the thing to do. Very ritualistic said that in, the, in, in Levi, the true instruction was in his mouth and unrighteousness was not found on his lips. That is, in his, in his mouth, he spoke the truth of God. Every believer priest is to be speaking the truth of God. We're to be sharing that. We're to be expressing that in every encounter that we have. We're, we're not just to do it on Sunday morning we gather together, but when we're among the people, we're to, we're to be speaking his instruction, his truth, his word, without unrighteousness. It says Levi walked with him in peace and uprightness. And because of his life, because of his encounter with the living God in worship that carried over into everyday life, it says he turned many back from iniquity. Now, we know it's the power of God's Holy Spirit that ultimately turns people back from iniquity. It's God's work and God's grace that brings about salvation. It's God's work and God's grace by His Holy Spirit infiltrating and literally changing our lives that brings any man or any woman or any young person to faith in Christ. But God is a God of means. God is a God who for his purpose, uses various means. And, and one of those means is, is that those who have been redeemed, those who have been called, you and me, who belong to him, are to be believer priests, instruments, speaking his word, and being used of God to present that gospel, present that word to others, that they might hear the word of the Lord, and the Holy Spirit might move in their life, and they might be turned away from their sin, turned away from their iniquity. But we're afraid to call sin, sin in our day. And I think that's probably what the, the priest of Malachi's basic problem was. They were more concerned with being liked and received and accepted than they were with speaking the truth. And so they watered down the truth. They, they let the truth be something that was, was secondary to being popular among the people. And so many were not being turned back from iniquity. We live in a day where iniquity is rampant, where sin is rampant, where that which is good is called bad, and that which is bad is called good, and light, dark, and dark, light. I mean, there, there's that whole topsy-turvy thing. We talked about it a little bit last week. 
That's what was taking place in Malachi's day. And the, the priest, those who were to speak the truth, were being silent. They were either being silent or they were compromising and saying, well, what is wrong, what is sin is okay in our culture. In our times, we're modern people, and it's okay. God is saying, because of that, I will curse even your blessings for the lips of the priest. And again, in our day, in the New Covenant, read that as the lips of a believer. The lips of a believer should preserve knowledge, should preserve his word, and men should seek instruction from his mouth. We ought to have people coming to us, asking us, what is it about you that is so different? What is it about you that makes you as you are? And we ought to be able to instruct them in the word of the Lord because they have sought it out, because they've seen a difference in our lives. Malachi is concerned with the lifestyle, the walk, the commitment of those who serve as priests before a living God. Again, we don't live in a day that has priests like he did. We live in a day where we are those priests. And we are called to be that. I, I, I think back to the passage that, that, that Pastor Ricky read during the, the script, hearing of the word this morning. Back in, in Isaiah chapter 43. If you want to turn back there with me just a minute. I want to parallel this just a little bit with what, with what Malachi is concerned about. An earlier prophet, a one of the major prophets, if you will. Chapter 43 of Isaiah's prophecy. Isaiah says this, But now, thus says the Lord, your Creator, O Jacob, and He, he, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. I, I love that expression. God says, I've called you, I've redeemed you, I've bought you. You are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. And you will walk through the fire, and you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. Well, there's some in our congregation are walking through the floods and walking through the fires right now. They're, they're struggling with, with personal illness and personal problems. And God says, I want you to know in this covenant relationship, you belong to me. I'm going to protect you. I won't keep you from it, but I will protect you in it. I, I won't keep it from coming your way. I won't, I won't guard you so that you won't go through some affliction because it's in that affliction that your heart is changed and your, your life is shaped. But I want you to know you don't go through it alone. That's what he's saying through Isaiah. Verse 3. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I have given Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in your place. Since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored and I love you, I will give other men in your place and other peoples in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and I will say to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone 
who is called by my name and whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made. Everyone who is called by my name, everyone whom I have created for my glory, I form them, even those that I made or I created. When Isaiah speaks those words, he talks about a God that is a creator God and a redeeming God, a saving God, and a sustaining God who carries us through the tough times and the good times, who is with us at all times, just as, just as Malachi talks about. And when he talks about giving glory, creating us for my glory, you know, it, it, it may seem that, that God is saying here, you know, I, I didn't have enough glory, and I needed more glory, so I, so I created a people, and I called a people, and I entered into a covenant relationship with people so that it might enhance or might increase or might make my glory bigger and better. That's not what Isaiah is saying. That's not what God is saying. God's glory is what it is. God's glory is all of his character, all of his attributes, all of his, all of his compassion, all of his grace. God's glory is magnificent as though it were the burning of the sun. You know, it, it doesn't stop, it doesn't cease, it doesn't increase, and it doesn't decrease. When God says, I have made you, I have created you for my glory, it's so that we might be those who display, who reflect, who point to the glory of God. The Scripture talks about magnifying His name, bringing glory to His name. That's why He's called us. That's why He set us apart. There's for no other reason. Because when His name is glorified, when His name is magnified by His people, men and women will come to faith in Christ. They will be drawn by God's Holy Spirit as they see the glory of God in the people of God. There's, there's nothing strange about that. It's the most normal thing you could ever imagine. So our purpose, the purpose which we were created, Isaiah says, is for the glory of God, that we might display it in our personal lives and display it in our corporate worship. Again, that's why our focus in what we sing and what we say, in, in, in what we read from Scripture, our focus is on Him and, and Him alone. Look over a few verses to verses 21 and 20 and 21 in the same passage. I, Isaiah talking of speaking for God says, The beast of the field will glorify me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I have given waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people. The people whom I formed for myself will declare my praise. God is simply saying, when, when, you have, when you have had a work of grace in your life, when God has really shown you His glory and done His work within your life, then it is the most natural thing in the world to just declare praise to Him. It's, it's not out of the ordinary. It's not weird. It's not something that we ought to have to conjure up and work up and and. and psychologically develop it really is a natural response when he says i i gave waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people 
He says, I have given you everything you need, and, and you to, you're to use that to magnify and declare my praise. You know, there are two different ways to magnify something. There's the way of the, ma- uh, of the microscope and the way of the telescope. When, the, when you take the microscope, you take a, something that's very small, maybe a cell or a part of something and, and, and some blood that you want to look at or something that's very small, you can't see it with the naked eye. And so you put it under the microscope and you look through the microscope and you, you focus it in and you're able to see something that's very small that you couldn't normally see. That's not the kind of magnifying that the Scripture speaks about when it talks about magnifying His name and declaring His praise. It's it's more the magnify of the telescope. The telescope focuses on something that's off in the distance, but it's very large. It's very big, but it's it's far away, and and so it seems all that far away. Just take the moon, for example. You you look at the moon at night, it's, it's pretty, it's nice, especially if it's in full moon uh, phase, and you, you look at it. But if you want to really see the moon in, in all of its beauty and glory, you need to take a, mag- a telescope and look at it through the telescope and see how magnificent it is. When we're talking about magnifying the Lord. We're talking about having a God who is there and who is in Himself glorious but who because of our sin and people's sins do not see that glory. It's a glory that ought to be seen in creation. As as David said in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. It it ought to be just by seeing nature that we see His glory. But but because of our sin, we're, we're blinded. It's our purpose through the lives that we have been given in Christ to kind of get the telescope in focus so that people can see the glory, the beauty that He is. To focus on Him and see that. Or in chapter 44, verse 23, where God says through Isaiah again, Shout for joy, O heavens, for the Lord has done it. Shout joyfully, you lower parts of the earth, break forth and shout for, with a, into a, a shout of joy, you mountains, O forest and every tree in it. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and Israel, and in Israel he shows forth his glory. I say, saying, listen, the creation is going to shout, the creation is going to declare it, and so should those who are recipients of his glory and recipients of his work in their lives. He gives us rest. He gives us strength. He gives us knowledge. He gives us himself that we might reflect it out to others. That we might be the recipients of his grace, And we don't just hold it. We don't just hoard it. We don't just try to make it just our own. But as those who have received the glorious grace of the living God, we open up and we reflect it. We display it. 
priests in Malachi's day were not doing that. They just simply weren't doing it. They were, they were doing the exact opposite of what they were called to do. Dare I say that sadly, in the 21st century, in many cases, in many places, the church of Jesus Christ, the priest of God today, are doing the very thing that the priest of Malachi's day were doing. They were, they were saying it's ours. We don't, we don't have to work for it, despise grace. We don't, we don't have to earn it. You know, it's ours. We're in the covenant. They simply lived lives that were more characterized by sin than they were by holiness. They were living lives that were characterized by getting for themselves and by what they were doing and what they had done than they were focusing on bringing honor and glory and praise to him who is the worthy one. And we want to make it all about ourselves. We want to kind of take the finger and point it this way and say, I want to feel good, I want to be happy, I want what, what I want, and I want God to give it all to me. And, and here's what I'll do to try to earn it. And it's all about me. When in reality, our lives as those who have placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ ought to be this way. Every area of our life, every word of our life, every thought ought to be to reflect people toward Him. That's what Malachi's concern is. As he comes as the prophet and the spokesman of God to the people of God, of that day in that covenant. It, it was not because he thought he could benefit by the fact that they would get their lives straightened. As a matter of fact, he will suffer for speaking the truth. All the prophets did. And probably in our day, there will be a suffering by speaking the truth. There will be, be an affliction by speaking the truth. But there will be obedience in speaking the truth. And we have to come back to, to the, the basic question that's not a very popular question, quite honestly. Am I, more, am I more concerned about pleasing man or pleasing God? Am I more concerned about being and reflecting or being what He's called me to be and reflecting who He is? That I am about being liked or received or avoiding discomfort and the displeasure of man. You see, Malachi is saying to you and me very clearly, revere the name of God, stand in awe of Him. See Him for who He is. Not the caricature that our, our, our generation has made Him. Not some grandfatherly type who just looks over everything so that you can be happy. No, no, see him as who he is, a God who is creator and redeemer and ultimately who will come as judge. But a 
God who is glorious in every respect. Revere His name. Stand in awe of His name. Give instruction out of our mouths. Don't let unrighteousness be found on our lips. Persevere knowledge. Preserve knowledge. So that men will seek instruction. Women will seek instruction. Not just from the pastor. Not just from the professional theologian. But because of righteousness on the lips of God's people, they will seek instruction from His people. Everyone who is a priest. In other words, everyone who's in covenant with Him. In new relationship with Him. So, my question this morning. So we think about Malachi and Isaiah and what they have to say that is so similar and so similar to the new covenant in, in Hebrews. What is the Spirit of God saying to you through this word? What is he saying about how you see him and, and how you respond to him and how you reflect him wherever you go? And whatever you do, let's pray together. Father, it is with hearts that must be broken, it's with hearts that must. be healed after that brokenness by your Holy Spirit that we come. Father, we don't come in our own right. We don't come in our own strength. We come, O oh Lord, purely and simply you have called us and adopted us given us new life in your son Father you are a glorious God burning with a glory that's brighter than the sun could ever hope to have and a glory that Father we need to see that we might reflect it. Change us, O oh Lord. Lord, as we're about to sing, be our vision. Let us see you and see by you with you, that we might see a world in need of you and those around us who are hurting in need of our priestly ministry to them in prayer and encouragement. Father, mold us into the people you've called us to be. 
pray in Jesus' name.